Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Rank Up, an on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I'm joined, as always, by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. How are you doing this week, Ed? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ben. The, uh, the sun's out. It's uh, finally hitting digits in the Celsius, and uh, the Rank Up podcast is in full flow, so my uh, serotonin levels uh, should be going for the roof right now. Absolutely loving life. <laughs> You've even made it back into the office recently, haven't you, which was a, a nice treat for these these weird times. <laughs> Yeah, I felt like I needed to break up my days a, a bit and just change my work environment. So our, our office is open just with like the safety measures in place. Everyone's quite well distanced. There's not many people in there at the moment. But yeah, it was nice to see a few people and just, um, well, so I, I think I I do like, you know, flexible working. Um, yeah. and something that will, I think, impression to commit into in the long term. But it was, yeah, it was nice to break up the week just by visiting the office and just get my head down on certain things. And and someone who knows all about flexible working now is is our <laughs> guest Kev Wiles. How are you doing, Kev? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I've got to, got to agree with um, Ed on this one. The earlier, kind of brighter mornings are in full flow now, so I'm able to get out of my uh, like a five o'clock morning walk before emails start bouncing off and stuff, which is pretty good. Got five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a morning person. Um, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I used to be uh, used to hit a 24 hour gym at about four to five in the morning and then wow. get started on work. Wow. So I'm looking forward to them reopening, shall we say, so I can get some routine. <laughs> so I would have considered myself a morning person, but I can't say I've ever gone to the gym earlier than probably, I don't know, maybe eight o'clock when I was in my uni <laughs> days was about the earliest I managed. <laughs> you know what? The, the weird thing is, is that when you go like obviously that early, no one's there. And um you get in this buzz where you're like you're you're the only one in the gym and you kind of like that's your like it feels like your kingdom for an hour for example yeah um and i've been a few times i've been a few times where there's people there like you can see their cars and you're like who's here why, why are you here why are you at the gym this early and then you're like wait i'm at the gym at the same time as you like i can't judge you you're all expecting to be the only one there <laughs> yeah you must you must be out by a, like a light at like 9 p.m right or 10 p.m yeah like by 10 o'clock at night like that's it i'm i'm out like i um for my sins you know i'm a coronation fan so i watch coronation street chill out a little bit catch up on some seo news and then that's it i'm i'm out um yeah <laughs> which is you know most of my friends they work normal hours so they're like they'll text and stuff and they'll we'll catch up and i'll just be like i'm out i'm i'll see you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I admire the commitment and like in the in the pandemic world it sounds like you managed to maintain a bit of a routine which is pretty impressive oh uh, yeah i mean it wasn't don't get me wrong when we had classic british weather where it was icy on the roads and stuff yeah, there yeah. Was a bin. if someone had a camera there would have been a few instances where i probably looked like bambi on ice in the mornings where it was really icy and stuff so <laughs> I'm, I'm glad now i can get out in my shorts and t-shirt first thing I, nice. I'm, I'm still out. i'm kind of in in awe at being in shorts and t-shirt right now as well because again that's a step more than i'm prepared to take <laughs> even with the sun shining <laughs> I, I think you've just got to embrace it. you just got to be like the british summer doesn't last forever the first the first glimpse of sun that's it shorts and t-shirt <laughs> well i have to say this is probably the uh this is probably the most unique intro to the podcast we've had and uh i imagine there'll be a few people listening who are probably in just as much disbelief as me and ed right now because this is seriously impressive but we do have to talk about seo as much as we would love to learn your secrets um <laughs> and and i mentioned earlier flexible working because uh you you are right now a, a freelance seo is that correct yep yep so i've been um at halfords i was at halfords for about uh just under three years um yeah. i joined there just after doing a stint at a big agency in, in new zealand which 
um, was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I've been at Halfords and now have jumped into the kind of freelancing consultant world. Yeah, how, and how long have you been doing that now? Uh, about 10 days. So yeah, very, very, very new, full time. Um, so, you know, um, I think the good thing about the SEO industry is there's lots of people that have been doing it for a long time or have started through COVID, through redundancies yeah. or just through their kind of aspirations to run their own thing. I think the benefit of that is like, you know, the SEO industry is one of those industries that like people just want to share their knowledge and give you tips and support you in different things. So um, it's been good. There's been lots of people that have given me support and I've been able to go to and be like, am I going mad? Is this like, am I missing something sort of thing? So yeah, yeah. it's been good so far. That's awesome. Well, we're going to get more into it today because one of the one of the reasons we, we've got you on the podcast and why we've got the topic we have today is because you've got a, a pretty kind of far reaching background, as you said, that spans in-house agency and freelance, uh, which, which not everyone has in the SEO industry. Uh, and it kind of leads into this discussion we're going to have about uh, the commercial side of SEO. Um, which we'll, we'll probably touch on other areas and maybe some other aspects of SEO delivery too. But I feel like you've kind of seen this from uh, pretty much every angle that you can within the business and then from helping from the outside. So um, we, we want to get your thoughts on this. But just before we get completely into the topic, um, you, you've touched on a couple of places you've been at um, before before getting to where you are now freelancing. But What's the sort of bird's eye view of of your story in SEO? Kind of where did you start out and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very similar to like everyone else in SEO, right? Which is I fell into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I initially started doing web design and development and um, quickly figured out you could do white text on a white background when AltaVista and, and those search engines were around. Yeah. Um, and that, that then progressed into um, I joined a small boutique agency in the small town I'm from. They were really lucky to have some good clients and that's when yeah. my like seo learning and development took off um and then from there really you know i'm like i think seo you know has hubs in the uk right so like key places like london manchester yeah. Leeds and stuff have like good digital presence whereas in the midlands it's a lot it's a lot smaller it, it's it's growing but probably not at the same rate as some of those other places um, yeah. so moved around a little bit um and then yeah more recently i decided to go and travel New Zealand for a year before the pandemic. Um, so worked over an iProspect there working on like Les Mills, which is um, the people in the UK will know them for kind of like grit fitness classes in the UK gyms and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then came back, um, worked on a challenger brand for um, in bathroom retail and then moved yeah. in-house to lead digital transformation from an SEO perspective to Halfords. Um, and then yeah, decided to go to consultancy. So very much just like 90% of the SEO industry, which is um, fall into it, um, have a unhealthy obsession with SEO and learning new things. Um, spent too much, too many late nights just reading things and just got stuck in and, and learned from testing and stuff, right? Well, hopefully that's all going to lead into a good chat today. Um, I think you're going to have you know, plenty of different perspectives. I mean, it's a similar story. Ed, you probably had a, had a similar kind of story, haven't you? Kind of hopping around a few different places before ending up where you are. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like I said, I was more on it from the coding perspective, but then kind of just through the learning of it initially, really got fascinated with it. And I think it's like SEO can be one big rabbit hole that you fall into and enjoy and learn new aspects of it. And I think like many people, they see, I think it's quite um, an interesting area because it combines so many levels of marketing. And I think there was an interesting quote that I saw from a few years ago that was saying like the SEOs of today are like the CMOs of tomorrow because they're um, they're like 
it's SEO focused on so many aspects of marketing and you learn so much, everything from like reporting side of things, more a case of the creativity, but then also the technical side of things. So whilst it's, uh, you know, it focuses on one channel alone, I think it sets you up for learning so much more than just SEO, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're right. I think like the, the good thing about SEO is, you know, when I started, um, I didn't like there wasn't clear disciplines like there potentially are now in terms of, like yeah. heavily tech focused or content or digital PR and stuff. And you, you get to that point where you're like everyone at some point in their career has probably done like the classic outreach. And, you know, when guest posting was a thing that no one now uses, yeah. like inverted commas sort of thing. Um, but I definitely think that when you get to those bits, you know, you learn so much just about how to communicate properly with different people to ask for certain things or um, branding. You know, it was only the other day I was looking at a site and like started going into conversion rate optimization and stuff. I'm like, that's not an SEO thing. But I think yeah. as SEOs, you just inherently get ingrained in everything, which is also probably why in some regard, there's always been this like tough relationship between SEOs and devs, which is always the key like the key two teams that always get brought up together. And mm. that's probably because as SEOs, we like to think and, and say, hey, this is how it should be done from an SEO point of view. Um, and the devs have their kind of remit and stuff. But that's purely that we're coming at it from a, like, we've learned this, we know what Google wants and doesn't want, and we think this is the best approach. Whereas a dev is, I've got this task, I've delivered it. Whether that's yeah. the right or wrong way to deliver it for Google isn't really, that's to some degree, their concern. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I think you, I've seen you kind of mention on, on sort of social media channels, maybe you lean a bit more, a bit more towards technical SEO, which kind of shines through in, in the way you talk about devs, devs within a few minutes of the conversation starting there. But um, are there any particular areas of SEO that you, that you kind of focus on most or enjoy doing? Or do you really just kind of take on, take on whatever projects kind of catch your eye or come your way? Yeah, I don't tend to get involved in like um, the content creation side and, and that sort of thing. I like um, hate writing; it's just not my forte. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, you know, and similar to link building, right? Like I, I think there has to be huge credit given to those people that can dedicate like their full time job to doing link building. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love sitting down with a notepad, pad of pe a notepad, pad and paper, and basically working out like what cool things could we do for this client and like coming up with like ideas for that client and then giving it to someone else to execute, right? Whether that's um, data campaigns or just some really quirky and stuff. And there are like those bits, I think just come from the background of getting in to SEO, which came from, you know, yeah. when I was at high school and all that sort of stuff, they did graphic design and I was quite creative and stuff. Um, but yeah, majority now is now SEO has become, I think more disciplined and kind of, focused in specific areas and it's advancing at such a fast rate yeah. it more focuses on tech than anything else these days yeah fair enough i'm sure that will come through in some of the questions we talk about as well but i mean just before we before we go kind of too much into the details one more question maybe to set it up a bit is um just to say kind of what what do you see at the moment as the differences between sort of freelancing agency work and and in-house work kind of in the responsibilities that you have and, and the sort of work that you've been doing in those different roles? Yeah, I think I think the, the responsibilities shouldn't be any different. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of the time when I've been in agency roles, we're always referred to as like we're an extension of their team, right? So yeah. whatever that client is, it's like, hey, we're an extension of your team. And in reality, you know, in-house, a lot of the struggle isn't identifying SEO issues. It's getting the relevant team to support you in getting those done. So, you know, I'm sure we'll cover this later, but things like, the merchandise team control product development and yeah. the in and out of stock process and category development stuff 
you can identify all that from an SEO point of view, but unless you have their commitment and their buying, you won't get any of that stuff done. And I think a lot of the stuff when, it, to some regard in, in agencies, it's very much like delivery focused, you know? So here's, here's a tech audit, here's this issue, here's this issue, rather than trying to educate the internal teams of that client outside of just marketing and SEO. Um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, the SEO manager that might be in a role in-house might be skewed in that skill set might be more tech and might be more content, for example, and therefore they're not best placed to educate the internal team. So they need your support to help them get a job done. Um, mm. And I think the the consulting side you is very similar. It's kind of a hybrid model, but um, you're working on a lot more things, right? Different projects, different problems that come yeah. up and stuff. Um, and in-house, you know, again, a lot of it from my time at Halfords was more around like team integration and understanding business problems and how SEO can support rather than doing what you would class as specific SEO tasks. Sure, you had like roadmaps and you had things that you need to get done and hit numbers, but unlocking those very much covers on what everyone talks about around devs and um, SEOs, which is getting them to be bought into the plan um, yeah. and not using things like, hey, I've bought us pizzas and I've bought us donuts and stuff. And I think there's a place for those sorts of things to try and build relationships, but very much like that's only going to go so far. Um, and you need to actually work out what makes that team tick. Like what, what yeah. is that individual team getting KPI'd on at the end of the year for their bonus, for example? Yeah. And how can you align something from SEO to help support them? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting as well because you've mentioned they're kind of working with uh, specific teams, but then you've also mentioned like fixing scenarios. I think especially, um, I guess, younger SEOs or people, um, we we kind of uh, here like look to focus on following best practices as such, and that necessarily isn't always <laughs> the best route to go because you know each business is different, each infrastructure of a website is different, and not it won't be always the case that you can follow a best practice solution. So it's more of a case, again, working with your development team to understanding what is the practical solution for us to succeed in search. And, you know, it could be that you follow best practice and you spend a lot of budget going down a, you know, going down a route that isn't going to be that profitable in terms of what value it can deliver, but there may be a quicker work, well, a, a more suitable workaround for your business or your the website the structure of your website in order for to kind of facilitate that need both from a search engine perspective but also what you serve to users as well yeah absolutely and you know you, you only have to i think you could take any website and you could have the most skilled person working on that website in the industry in their specific part right and the, you'll always find unique instances of things that are like an error that's come up in sitebulb or something that's been flagged in search console for mm -hmm. example but usually there's rationale that an outsider won't probably see whether that's hey, the CMS is built in a completely different way that just can't facilitate that. Or we can do that, but it's going to take 40 hours of dev work. And what you've forecasted that might be the kind of return on investment is only covering 30 hours. So it feels like a bit of a lost leader. And I think, yeah. you know, that it's like anything in SEO. It's like context is king. You know, any graph can show an upward trend and stuff, but it's like, what's the stuff behind that? Um, and a lot of the time that won't be just SEO in silo, you know, um, yeah. If we look at Halfords as a as a, a top line example, you know, traffic for the last year after we migrated was on the up before the pandemic anyway. But like the pandemic with people just being outside just accelerated that growth. You know, sure. lots of people yeah. searching more for more products. And you know, I, you know, yes, it's a good feeling to sh see that traffic and see that revenue coming in. But like, it's not all down to SEO. Like, yes, I'm supporting getting those pages ranking better and stuff. But 
so are the teams in terms of like going out with PR or supporting PPC or, you know, social, whatever channel it might be. Um, and I think that is key to understand what those bits are. Um, yeah. Because you can, like, I'm sure you guys do it all the time where you can, you go into a pitch and you have to give some insights about what's wrong with the site and stuff. Like, it's not very often you will see a site that you find nothing wrong, right? There'll always yeah. be one one thing or two yeah. things you can go away and fix. And then 10 or 15 more things you can go and improve based upon your own theories and methodologies and stuff. 100%, yeah. And I think that that kind of, and I think it's looking to shift from that approach now is that we're not going to, you know, clients or businesses now and saying, you've got 10 pages with a H1 missing, or you've got uh, 50 duplicate med descriptions now. We're focusing on, you know, strategic drivers. We're focusing on things that are, you know, closely related towards the business goals in terms of, you know, what can we focus on or what can we, what area do you need help with? In order to improve visibility where can we be visible from an organic perspective to like you mentioned there be present when a user is searching on the internet and for us from an organic perspective within search for us to be visible so that when they're making that key decision they're considering the brand yeah and i think you know tying it back to that like the the people the kind of juniors and the upper coming people in the seo like the advice i've started to give to people is like learn like the seo stuff absolutely in terms of like understand how to use Screaming Frog and Sightbulb and the other tools that are on the market and stuff, but also understand the commercial side of, of SEO. You know, the there are only a handful of good bits of content published right now that talk about the strategic side of SEO, right? Yeah. There's lots of posts around, here's the 10 SEO strategies for 2021, but in reality, they're just tactics that you can do as part of a wider SEO strategy. And I think you, the, that's a lot of the part that, I think is being missed in SEO right now is that that strategic piece, like how do you get stuff done commercially? How do you get buy-in or um, Ed, to your point, like, yes, there's a hundred four or fours, but who really cares if they're like on the subdomain and they're like four clicks deep and they haven't got any link equity. They've never really been internally linked. Like who really needs to go and spend time fixing them? Sure. You, you know, you, you should, if you've got time, but there's probably things that are going to move the needle much faster than fixing those individual bits and understanding that and being able to say, you know, if you work in agency side, being able to portray that to that client and say, like, this is what you should do. And here's the commercial benefit rather than just, like here's a report from ScreenFrog which has your duplicate meta descriptions. And the reason for that is that it's all the paginated pages on the WordPress blog. So go and add number two or three into the page. Like what what benefit is that giving them? Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to get into your work at, uh, at Halfords recently because I think when we chatted before the podcast, um, there's some really good insights along these commercial lines that we can draw from that. So um, if I just kind of change, change the tack of the podcast slightly, we... Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Halford's kind of a digital transformation was the context that you were brought into. Um, so can you just, just start by saying what your role was in that environment within Halford's SEO team? Yeah, so my initial role um, when I first joined Halford's was to essentially come in and, you know, help them scope what, like, the landscape from a website point of view looked like as part of re-platforming. Um, and how we could deliver that in from what my own experience was like an incredibly tight time frame. Yeah. Um, and that was from not just the, okay, how do we do the standard migration, right? Which is reduce, making sure we don't have traffic impacts, but also how do we future proof things from, uh, and if we're gonna add new categories or um, voice search, for example, how do we get those things baked in to this digital transformation project, take us from a, 
um, very old site that has lots of legacy debt to a very new site that is market leading in those specific sectors. Um, it, it, it fell apart or it, it fell into a bigger piece, which was overall business digital transformation to move mm. the customer online, which is where people are now searching for. Yeah. Um, and that was really my role. And, and also part of that was how do you educate people along the way to get them to change processes that have probably not been touched for a, a long time. Um, yeah. And that's not because people are doing things wrong. That's just because, um, you know, even if they'd have understood SEO five years ago, what has happened in the last five years for SEO has been incredible and stuff that was relevant then maybe not so relevant now. Yeah. So, so where was, where was SEO in, in sort of in the wider priorities uh, amongst all of this kind of like, were, were you uh, part of a larger strategy um, and how were you sort of working among the, the wider teams at Halford? Yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, the first thing that I definitely saw and, experienced firsthand which is not some kind of experience before was um you know when when you talk about people and they say you know SEO was left the last minute and SEO mm. wasn't considered you're like well you know how can that be surely GA data says that it's an important challenge surely people just pick that up but you know it it really isn't the case people don't understand SEO right it's yeah and, and that's partly as SEOs that's partly our fault because we talk about um hey go and fix your canonical tags and a normal person is like i have no idea what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> like i'm not going to speak to you again because you're talking in some like magic weird language and stuff and um so yes there was definitely a it was low on the prior roadmap and we had to then quickly get business cases to to support of why is it important what do we need mm. to fix before go live and with some of that it wasn't about showing the benefit at this point it's about showing the risk and what the risk yeah. is by not doing these things which is from a migration point of view is usually that you know yes if you do it rightly hopefully you'll see benefits if you're adding new pages doesn't them better etc etc but it is also like you know you see them all the time on social media that the sister graphs where traffic has like dropped off a cliff and that's what you're like as an SEO, I feel your role is is to basically protect that underlying revenue and traffic yeah and then sure you know any bad added benefit is a bonus. Um, and that was literally my role, you know, um, at the time I was kind of doing a hybrid role. So I was very much looking after the current website, which had like lots, like huge amounts of legacy debt from a mm. adaptive site and a separate mobile site, which didn't work very well at all, didn't have clean URL structures. And then also understanding how do we migrate to a new website and pick up all the kind of issues that we have and fix them. Um, yeah. So, you know, it had to be in two places at once. I had to try and get involved in different team roadmaps, understanding team priorities and stuff. Um, there were days where it was very tough. You know, I think any yeah. SEO has those days and anyone who's <laughs> done a migration will definitely have those days where they feel like they're pulling all their hair out and they, they go bold very quickly. But um, it was just about, you know, doing the best you can. I think a lot of the time, particularly probably over the last year, the SEO industry has become way more aware of the pressures that individuals put on each other to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think it's just taking a step back and going, you can only do what you can actually do. Like you can only control so much. And if, uh, I don't know, um, the CEO of the business has come in and said they're not doing certain things, well, your role is to absolutely educate and say, these are the risks doing that. Yeah. Ultimately, if they say they're not going to do it, well, like, you're not the CEO, you don't run the business, you don't have like, yeah. you're not engaged with those people. So um, you can only do so much. And I think you just have to say like, I might be the most passionate SEO in the world or whatever it is that you've done the best 
to your ability um, and you've ticked all the right boxes and you've not left anything kind of massively obvious out. Yeah. So if you were trying to convince people like the CEO or senior leadership and you were talking about the risks, what what kind of uh, data would you be would you be showing them? Was it was it competitors or were you drawing from from other examples to illustrate why this was important? Uh, yeah, a, bit, uh, a little bit of everything, to be honest. You know, if, um, at, at this kind of core level, probably things around like traffic and, and revenue and the potential drop what that might look like yeah. you can use things like hey drop in click-through rate might look at this less much less less traffic with our conversion rate and then tie back to revenue yeah. but also things to um hey we are thinking about building our location pages using a non-clean url structure and not having them linked to throughout the site etc cetera, etc cetera. and what that means to google is for those search queries where a map pack fires we may not be as visible because we're doing lots of changes and then mm. therefore we're not going to do the citation cleanups. We're not going to do all these other bits that have like a like a waterfall effect, um, because you know, yeah. And if, as an example, if you have lots and lots of videos that are old, like your old branding, for example, yeah. yes, absolutely. In a in a realistic world, you definitely want those to be new branding to to align with the brand. But yeah. if you suddenly delete all those and your, I don't know, you're ranking for a hundred video feature snippets, for example, and they all drop, like that is that is an issue right and you need to highlight yeah. that the SERP is no longer just 10 blue links like it used to be um and it's changing at a fast rate so um highlighting all that stuff pulling back like SERP feature data from ahrefs to say look this far is a map listing that we might lose and therefore the click rate is going to decline we might have uh, a less of an impact on kind of research off online purchase offline for example which for a brand like halford is still uh, incredibly huge and it was even mm. huge throughout the pandemic where um where it was safe to do so we're doing things like curbside pickup where um through ppc and stuff or you can go and pick it up from store right and that's because people wanted like a bike they wanted a bike and they wanted it today they didn't want to wait for a week and they didn't definitely didn't want to wait a week, a week from amazon and then have to build it themselves because like who really knows where to start building a bike and yeah, building it yeah. correctly sort of thing um so there was those all, all those sorts of considerations have to be taken into consideration and then it's just about weighing that up you know of okay well this is my seo bit but my seo bit is only a piece of the wider like cake for example yeah um and, and you know sometimes like you just can't as seos get your own way like it just doesn't <laughs> i think being in-house has definitely made me realize that when i when i'm agency side you can kind of go off and do projects and deliver cool things and work on scripts and, and all that sort of stuff is encouraged in-house like there are certain things that you just can't do you just can't get that person to buy in or the resource doesn't exist um for whatever reason and you just need to kind of i always say this but like adapt and overcome you know if it's um mm. schema implementation how can you use things like tag manager for example or um i don't know if it's you can't edit the cms because it's shopify or something similar like how to use something like edge seo or or some of the stuff that salt and, and those agencies put out and stuff i think it's very um you just have to take that approach of like adapt and overcome and try and make mm. the best of a bad situation, which inherently sometimes you won't be involved in campaigns. You won't be involved in web releases. It's like, don't, don't kind of lose, lose your kind of focus. Just go right. Cool. There was an issue. How do we get back to a le level playing field and then grow from there? Yeah. Well, speaking of making the best of a bad situation, um, when we were talking before the pandemic was quite a big, a big theme and you've touched on it there already. So, um can you speak a little bit about kind of how you adapted once once the pandemic started to hit in full force like, well, how did that change the seo strategy that you were pursuing through 2020 
Yeah, I mean, luckily for I say luckily for us, we were still seeing the effects of the migration. Right, we we mm. finished the migration probably uh, about two weeks before, like all offices and stuff stuff closed down, like okay. officially before the pandemic was a thing. So, um, which is when like it's weird when people are ah, oh, you know, I've been working at home for this. I'm like, during that migration period, I was doing lots of work from home in like as SEOs do, dark black room, lots of like URL mapping, that sort of stuff. Mm. So I'd actually been working for, from home for a period of time. But the pandemic, for us, we were heading into those key categories anyway. You know, mm. we would always try and make sure we're um, ranking well for kind of seasonal search terms that are going to be somewhere related to like staycation cycles and stuff. And although staycations took a hit um, because people weren't traveling because they weren't allowed, mm. um, we definitely used things like google trends to understand what boris was saying at any moment in time to then say okay well last july for example in staycations like you only have to look at some of the the holiday parks and stuff they had probably the busiest summer they've had ever yeah um, you know taking into account that they've been closed for a long time but understanding those trends and saying okay well what are the things that people are going to want to know so it's things like tying this back to the link building stuff um like I don't know the classic of scraping Spotify data to basically say like, here's the top driving playlist. That's very on brand with Halfords. That's very relevant to the stuff we do. Mm. And we sell lots of products that you would want to buy to take on a road trip. So those sort of things changed it um, a lot, but also we became way more content focused than we ever had been. Yeah. Um, and not just from an SEO point of view, but from like, okay, how do we get content out about how to stay safe when you're cycling with social distancing? You know, um, how do we give information on uh, how you can clean your car? Like, I'm sure 80% of the people cleaned their car more last year than they did any other year. Mm. Um, but guides like that on how to use products and stuff, while we always had them in the plan, everything like that was accelerated like 10x because we just needed to adapt with things that people wanted to read and make sure health was still relevant in their mind, even yeah. if that didn't necessarily lead to a, a product conversion. Um, and, and all the data is there, right? And then when you look at the more commercial side of things, it's, and I'm sure any retail business had the same, it's a lot more people were calling customer service lines. A yeah. lot more people were calling about, is the store open? Is it safe to visit? Like, when's my delivery going to arrive? And this is where it comes back to like, I don't think SEOs can just affect getting number one in Google. Like we used, and this is very like super blaringly obvious, but like we used SEO data to solve a problem, which was Halfords were getting more customer contacts into the support center. That resulted in more calls. Obviously calls are a premium rate that has a cost to the business. Mm. So like use your SEO insights to solve that problem by creating the right language pages that answer those customer questions that where Google does fire a feature snippet or the number back in the sub results and stuff, it's you're supporting that content that customers yeah. are searching for, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that, yes, you know, most SEOs probably have done that and they've like lots of SEOs have been investing in FAQs and stuff, but sometimes like the market will be down and that's not in your control, right? That is a, the market overall is down. We're seeing less people buy a given product yeah. and you're responsible for driving sales into that category. Well, you can probably go and use SEO to solve other problems that save the business money and make mm. it more profitable. It doesn't necessarily, I think, have to just be about getting that top spot in Google, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's yeah. such a good insight there. I, I think just like uh, thinking more broadly about what commercial success looks like for SEO, I, I think that's uh, that may not have even crossed some people's mind. I think before, maybe before we kind of spoke to Rick uh, a couple of episodes ago who said similar 
who is speaking on similar things. This is now a couple of companies where we've seen these examples from you and Rick about um, the way that you can have this commercial impact by looking at the user journey and customer service, which uh, which I think is awesome. I think if, if SEOs can learn from that, we can probably make our lives a lot easier because we're actually getting more ways to sort of prove prove our worth. Yeah, and you know that I mean that comes back to everything, right? Like back to that original point around getting other teams bought into SEO, which I know inherently if you're in-house, everyone will have either be doing this or has done it in the past to get those teams teams bought in. But mm. um, you know, merchandise had an issue where the stock of bikes was going so quick because everyone wanted a bike. And I think when as soon as people realized the pandemic wasn't just this like three week lockdown and then we're back at the pubs with our friends we'd have a great summer at festivals and it was yeah. like this is here to stay everyone started to invest in indoor turbo trainers for fitness and push bikes and electric bikes electric scooters and all those different categories yeah. and what that resulted in yes products going out of stock really quick which is good for sales but also empty category pages or um, understanding how we make the user journey better of i don't know do we have email me back in stock visible on the category yeah, page rather than just sure. the product page? Do we file which bikes are in stock based upon your location rather than the online stock? Um, bearing in mind, then you can go and pick it up from store and we don't have to ship it, which then again, reduces commercial costs. Um, I think SEOs can feed into that, right? We can go away and we can, yeah. you inherently know the sites that are doing good things online. So you go and see what they're doing and take insights and say, look, and then, you know, if you're from a tech background, you can not only say, this is what they're doing, but you can come up with solutions to replicate that fairly easily, right? So if it's a, yeah. um, I don't know, email way back in stock, usually good tech SEOs know about coding and know about some insights to say like, we could do it this way and this, 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 and this. Um, you know, Halford, as an example, wanted to create kind of like the TripAdvisor for bike routes, right? Which was, um, started off as an SEO project, which we were thinking like we could get lots of links, you know, it'd be great for content. You yeah. have this hub that drives links back into the thing. And very quickly it was, became a, Halfords could become this brand that publishes cycle routes during the pandemic by the bike route, the style and the kind of level of like um, complexity you wanted it to have. And also if it was a family bike route, right? Yeah. Um, and then you rate them and you can share them for your local area and kind of become this like hub you know trying to get that done on a enterprise e-commerce cms solution is almost impossible because of the costs <laughs> that come with that yeah. but as an seo you just start to go okay cool well we run a blog through wordpress okay cool that's open source like what exists today like we can build this we could like i don't know you can just i think as seos you just did like back to that point you adapt and overcome and go right like if we really want this, this is how we can do it and then you yeah. just go and make it happen yeah. right um which that's is really interesting yeah, I was just I was just going to mention um, we on a few episodes ago we were speaking to uh, JC from Cancer Research and he said he noticed the volatility in especially within e-commerce listings where you know a, a category page had full stock but then they would look to sell out and then you know we would that would suggest the the category page you know I guess decreasing in terms of keyword performance because people were then gravitating towards position two or position three. I mean, I know Google have said that, you know, they don't use kind of user insights, but I think it's within their <laughs> remit to supply the most relevant, ad, well, re relevant page that, you know, has products for sale. And that user en engagement shows that people are referring, you know, a, a website in position two or three, that that should be position one. Whereas, like you said there, you can't have an impact over stock availability for Halfords, but what you can do is to, 
I guess, safeguarded the traffic in terms of looking for other avenues with, you know, content to create to make sure that, you know, we may decrease positions based on stock availability and the click-through rate to those areas that we can no longer fulfill but let's let's safeguard traffic with another areas that you know buying guides content that people are going to be interested in so that it helps at least steady traffic a little bit during these like these times where you know you know stock is a bit all over the place yeah of course you know and and it, it always ladders back up to the Yes, you know, if we've got an empty category page or a category page with one or two products and a competitor's got one with 15, we'll probably, I, I generally believe Google understands those sort of metrics, right? And it can understand which page is best based upon like people, pogo sticking between pages, et cetera, et cetera. But like, if you adapt and say, okay, well, like, hey, we have limited amount of bikes, but we probably know anyone who has bought a bike is going to buy accessories or is going to be looking for, a cycle carrier for their car okay well we already ranked number one for that search term but how do we now create content that basically connects those two dots yeah. and then from there you're like giving them educational content and stuff and even down to if we're i mean let's say we had no bikes right how do you still be in customers minds and in their mindset when they're looking for accessories or maybe coming back for a week because we definitely wouldn't have been in the own retailer in that situation um so that you're at the front of mind right which is here's some great social content about things you can do when you're out mm -hmm. and about. So we're in your social feed, we're in your mind there. And then they go to Google and they're like, um, and then how to raise a handlebars on a bike. And you're like, oh, cool. Like this is how I do it. But now I need some tools to do that. Okay, well, yeah. like here we are. You can come pick them up and stuff. And I think you just have to continually adapt to those situations and just, again, overcome them, like work out a plan and say, right, what content do we need? What's that, you know, what's that SERP look like and stuff? And I think the, the the downside sometimes is that Google changes the SERP listing so often, right? And there's so much volatility yeah. in them and stuff is that yeah. one day you could be saying, you know, if you want to, part of our focus would have, is always around or was always around only market share, which we did out of like Pydea metrics, but it's, can you really own market share if the, I don't know, if, if, if you search for like how to ride a bike, that's going to be a video because no one wants to stand in their garden with like their young child reading a thousand pound, a thousand word blog post scrolling down again. Of course, yeah. like hold the back of the bike. Except, like you need a video. Google knows you need a video um, and, and you need to adapt to that. So I don't think you can own the market and say you own the market if you've just got traditional content. Um, yeah. But and that's what comes back to that team thing video doesn't really sit within SEO, right? Yes, YouTube SEO is a thing, and yes, you can optimize for those, but like the creation, the storyboarding, the yeah. like the, 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 the cast and all that sort of stuff, that is not an SEO team remit. That is like, well, depending on how your teams are structured, it might not even sit in marketing or digital, it might sit like in a brand team. Um, mm. And why would they create that video over some really cool action um, influencer-based video that is aligned to their KPIs and to their bonus, et cetera. Um, yeah. And then you just need to kind of show them examples, right? Pull those, pull that there, pull that information and say, look, to connect this dot to this dot from a brand perspective, we need to have video. And by doing that, we can use it on social, you know, we can use it in um, content, we can use it in some link building campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there are, there are loads of ways. You just have to think outside the box sometimes and not, not stick to like, the rule book in some instances and i know in yeah. seo there isn't really one but like google has their kind of guidelines and um all those things exist out there but sometimes you just need to say well like cool we can't do that so like can we do some chaos and how much of an impact do we think that would be yeah 
That's awesome. And uh, I might have to make this the final question just because of time, but um, I'm keen to follow that up with just saying like with, with all of these different possibilities and all these different ways you could have an impact and having to adapt all the time to the changing landscape, how do you how do you personally try and prioritize? How do you work out what you're going to be focusing on for the next week or month or however long? Yeah, I mean, my approach to SEO is, is pretty much like, I guess, like most people, right? You understand fundamentally what and if there are any technical issues to begin with and that that should always be the starting point and I think from there is really understanding like what does success look like to the person you're connected with or you're working for yeah. Yeah. Um, and then work that backwards you know if they're only focused on only one specific category don't then go and say we've had this great idea to go and build this link building campaign on a completely different category because it's probably not going to work and that yes that's common sense and lots of the listeners will know that stuff but um yeah, my approach is like fix the technical stuff, get that in a solid roadmap, get buy-in from day one with the development team so that you can then work on other things. You don't have to be chasing your tail to say, oh God, like the May 2021 update's coming and WebVault is going to be so important and like we're scrambling to fix it because yeah. speed isn't new. Like that individual yeah. thing isn't new. It's been around for years. So like if you're leaving it two, three months before, it's, it's like going to be officially dubbed a thing from Google. Like that for me outlines and like a process change that needs to happen to make these things get fixed sooner mm -hmm. on um, and then from there it's just about what assets and levers can you pull on from an SO thing to show results in the short term yeah. uh, while you're building something more like long term whether that's a um, brand campaign or like category structure changes anything like that um, because you know um, Luke Carthy speaks about the out of stock process and all that sort of stuff but those insights are golden and that can really help an e-commerce site but it's probably not something most brands particularly big brands can go and implement overnight because there's lots of considerations about how that process works outside of seo um, yeah. so you can put those in a long-term plan right and say right in six months we're going to address this but we're going to work to get towards it and show the incremental wins before then um and that's literally i i always think seo sometimes yes it, 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 it is hard right but i think mm -hmm. as seos when we publish articles and stuff, we try and make it out a lot harder than it really yeah. needs to be to a degree. And it's in its broadest sense. And yeah, has SEO really changed? Just to wrap this up, has SEO really changed in 10 years? Like, or did us as SEOs just take advantage of things that Google wasn't that smart yeah. about clamping down on at the time? You know, we absolutely milked white text on white backgrounds yeah. and then we got slapped for it. You know, we absolutely milked guest posting and then lo and behold, we got slapped for it. And I think throughout this whole time if you've been building a brand and investing in the brand overall mm. your seo should be pretty robust it's where there's like hey we're going to cut corners and do this eventually it'll catch up with you and the time it takes to clean up something like a link penalty or whatever it might be mm. usually will far outweigh the time it could have taken for you to do it properly in the, in the first place right yeah yeah absolutely i think that's that's really good i think it's uh a very wise ending a cool good one that I think a lot of seos will be able to take from that ed is there anything you want to you want to add or ask before i wrap up no no that sounds great i think what we've learned here is so much on the the commercial impact and focus on those things that we know will make a difference to a business and i think that's ultimately how we get investment in sao it's making sure that you know the efforts that we make go to 
you know, improving visibility, improving traffic and driving revenue. And I think, yeah, Kev, it's been great to hear just some of your thoughts and experiences, especially with Halfords, but then also most recently in terms of, you know, what picking the battles that you can win and focus on areas that make an impact. So I think, as you mentioned there, investing in a brand and focusing on SEO activity that helps, you know, position the brand in a, a really good way can is really the winning formula in so many people's eyes, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Awesome. So the, the very last thing for you then, Kev, uh, how can people find you on social media? And is there anything else you want to mention while you've got the floor at the end of the episode? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Twitter just uh, forward slash um, or at Kev Wiles. Um, Wiles is spelt W-I-L-E-S. You'll be surprised at how many people spell it willies and like pronounce it wrong <laughs> and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah at, on Twitter and then on LinkedIn, just Kevin uh, Kevin J. Wiles again. Um, and yeah, just my website is kevinwiles.co.uk. Um, nothing really more to say you know if, if anyone's got any questions around how to build relationships and stuff like i'm by no means the best in, in, in at doing it and stuff but i can definitely mm. give my thoughts and share bits of content that i've learned from so i'm um, happy to share those bits as well absolutely well it's been great to have you on so uh, so thank you for this week's episode and thank you ed as always for for being here too awesome no worries yeah always awesome thanks very much and uh, yeah, that, that'll do it for this week's episode. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with more on-page SEO content for you. Uh, we're excited to continue to be bringing you a variety of voices from within the SEO industry. Uh, and in the meantime, as always, uh, we would be very grateful if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, we try to be available on every channel. So wherever you're listening, uh, any reviews will help us to, uh, to get a bit more visibility there. And if you want to send in any questions uh, for future guests or if you want to just talk to us about SEO or, or even if you're interested in coming on the podcast, then uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben J. Gary with two R's and at Ed J. T. W. with two D's. I mean, speaking of names that get spelt wrong all the time, Ken, <laughs> you're in good company here. Uh, and uh, if you can't wait for the next episode for your next helping of content, then do please check out the impression.co.uk slash blog. Uh, we're starting to put up some videos there now, which is an exciting new uh, kind of new avenue for us. And if you want to see what I look like, then uh, my face is indeed in those videos. Um, so that's good fun if you want to go and check that out. Uh, and we also highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers. A lot of uh, a lot of the women at Impression are part of Women in Tech SEO, and uh, they've got a lot of great things going on as well with a new newsletter uh, and a conference which just happened this week of recording, although it'll be a, be a couple of weeks ago when this goes out. So please do go and check that out. Uh, and uh, that should be it. So Kev, thank you. Ed, thank you. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks for your next instalment of On Page Conversation. Thanks, everybody. Bye.